Welcome to Season 2 of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. This season is dedicated to interviews with mayoral and city council candidates running for the city of Powell River within the Cothed region during the 2022 municipal election. Here's your host, Aaron Reed. Welcome to Coastal Currents. I'm your host, Aaron Reed. My next guest on the podcast is Mr. George William Frederick Doubt. George is running for re-election as city councillor with the City of Powell River in the October 15, 2022 municipal election. Here is George's submission. I am running for re-election to city council and I ask for your support. I moved to Powell River in 2014 to be close to my family after my retirement. Before retirement, I was employed for many years by BC Tel and TELUS and was an elected officer of the telecommunications workers representing members as a local officer, moving on to the role of business agent and a member of our executive council. I was re-elected many times and finally served two three-year terms as national president. My elected union roles led to work as a pension trustee of our defined benefit pension plan, as a member of the board of directors for Concert Properties and Concert Real Estate Limited, and of other associated financial investments. I was also an executive member of the BC Federation of Labour and the Canadian Labour Congress. All of that led to significant involvement in politics on federal, provincial, regional, and municipal levels. As part of my duties on council, I served as the chair of the Finance Committee, Tourism Power River Liaison, and as one of the municipal directors on the board of the Cathet Regional District. I chaired that group's Finance Committee, served on the Regional Hospital District Board, the North Island 911 Board of Directors, and the Supportive Housing Liaison Committee. I have been a member of the Wildwood Rate Plate ratepayers since 2014. I am running for re-election because I believe I have the leadership skills, experience, and clear understanding needed to work collaboratively with the community and council to set goals and respond to the challenges that exist now and will arise in the future. I am confident that those characteristics will provide the basis for making decisions based on the best common interests of the residents of the community, equitably and inclusively, in an atmosphere of respect, kindness, and optimism. Please join me in welcoming George Doubt. If you don't mind, if we could start off it, with you just uh, telling me a little bit about yourself and uh, where you grew up, where you were born, all that kind of thing. Oh, you want to know the long story. I do, yeah. yeah. Well, I was actually born in Trail oh. a long time ago and uh, spent the few, first few years of my life in Trail and then my dad's job took me back and forth between Trail and Nelson quite a few times in the Kootenays and Moved up to Kamloops around 1960. Okay. And uh, grew up there and went to high school there. Got a job at BC Tel after I, after I'd been to going to BCIT for a couple of years, and uh, worked for BC Tel for 40 years. Oh wow! Uh, became a union representative, uh, an advocate for union members that I worked with, and later became a full-time officer of the union. Moving on to president of the National Union for the last six years of my career. Did a lot of interesting things tied into that. Yeah. I was a trustee of our pension plan. It was a $4 billion jointly trustee pension plan. So it was a significant defined contribution pension Mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, worked on that. Part of that was uh, representing the union on the board of directors of Concert Real Estate and Concert Properties Limited, and those were, they're currently about $4 billion real estate corporations, so really got into development issues across the country in that job, and uh, 
retired from that in 2013, moved to Powell River to be with my family. My son, Tyler, and my daughter-in-law, Lindsay, live here. Okay. And the two grandchildren were born here after that, and uh, here we are. Wow. So what, what did you do with uh, BCTEL? Well, I did almost everything you could do, starting as a lineman. Yeah. Uh, did basically pole line construction and all of that kind of stuff. I did cable splicing, which was joining wires together. Then I did what they called troubleshooting, which was all up and down the Fraser Canyon and the Caribou, finding problems on the cables and fixing those. Moved to Port Alberni uh, later on, about 1980, and uh, did installation repair around there. And then I got involved in the union as well. So I did many jobs within the phone company and many positions within the union. Wow, that's crazy. So I guess you're not scared of heights. That was one of the first questions they asked me. <laughs> was it? Are you scared of heights? Do you get nosebleeds being up there? Uh, will you get your beard stuck in the machinery? Oh. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, I don't get my face stuck in things, and I don't uh, have a fear of heights. <laughs> so have you always had a large beard? I got my beard in high school, and uh, I'm old enough that I was one of the first... Uh, high school students in Canada to have a beard, and that was controversial. Oh, really? People tried to stop that from happening. Really? They did. It didn't work. Huh. I kept my beard, <laughs> wore it through high school, and uh, it was kind of an icebreaker there. Interesting. I wouldn't have thought that would be uh, uh, something to be contentious about, but wow. It was, hmm. but, you know, there was a, that, that was a long time ago now when you think about it. But yeah. But uh, it just wasn't something that was done in high school, and uh, they weren't used to it. They weren't used to that kind of new thinking, and I wanted to do it, and I stuck with my guns, and it worked. Good for you. And so you came to be in Powell River because your son was here. What brought your son here? Uh, he came here to because he had uh, just finished an electrical apprenticeship, and he was looking for some steady work. Worked at the mill for a little while, and now he works at the hospital. Oh, Okay. Interesting. What neighborhood do you live in? I live in Wildwood, right across from James Thompson School. Okay. Deers and bears and all kinds of interesting things in the backyard and the front yard. We've got about an acre there, and Leslie's built a really nice garden. We've got fruit trees and a vegetable garden, and we've got a bunch of ducks. You might have seen Leslie and her ducks in the newspaper with her gardening articles. I might have. We actually and, just uh, put our ducks away before you got here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got four of them. We had five. A bear got one last year, a bear or an eagle. Oh, that's and, too bad. But uh, they're great fun. They're good friends. Aren't they entertaining? They are. I love ours. We have six now. We had three for about six years, and now we've doubled, so we have six, and I love them so much. And they like to have friends. They do, they, yeah. They get lonely, so... Having yeah. sex is probably a good deal. That's actually what happened to us. We uh, Two of ours passed, and we had just one left. And I became her flock for about a month because we were waiting to make sure we could... It wasn't the avian flu. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, now she's got lots of friends. <laughs> well, that's a good thing. Yeah. They don't make too much noise, I guess, for the neighbors. The neighbors are actually quite like them. Yeah. yeah. We've been lucky that way, and it doesn't hurt when you share eggs, too, so... And a lot of people are learning about duck eggs. We've been sharing ours with a lot of people, too. Yeah. It, it seems to me people don't uh, consider the fact that you can eat them. You know, they're always thinking of chickens and not ducks, but 
The duck eggs are quite good, too. I find that. People are surprised, you know, when I say, would you like half a dozen duck eggs? And they say, well, they're green. (laughs) (laughs) And they're delicious. (laughs) But you never have to ask the second time. Right. Once people have tried them once, they love them. Do you have any more of those? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what are your favorite places to spend time within the city? Oh, my favorite places. You know, I like Gibson's Beach, Moat Bay. Uh, we spend a lot of time uh, down at the beach just past the shingle mill. There's there's a bit of a semi-private beach down there that's uh, welcoming to dogs and people and kids, and we go down there quite a bit. Uh, we haven't been going to hockey games lately, but we're just thinking about starting it up again because uh, COVID seems like it's almost behind us now, so... I like the hockey games, and I like seeing the people there. Yeah. And uh, down to the Patricia Theater, and and I really like spending time at City Hall. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, because <laughs> I think you spend a lot of time there, don't you? <laughs> I spend a lot of time there in the regional district office, and I actually enjoy most of it. Good, good. Even after all this time, you still enjoy it, hey? Well, it's only four years. Ah, it's a long time when you're doing yeah. that kind of work. But, you know, I, I really... After three years of really dedicated retirement, I was thinking, you know, I I really need something to focus on, something to pay attention to, and something to apply my mind to. Right. And uh, being an elected official of the town has really worked out well for me that way. It's been giving me something that I can really focus on and care about. Good. Most candidates, I ask, what made them decide to put their name in for city council? You've already put your name in for city council, so what made you decide to run again for re-election? Well, I thought about it. I thought about various things. I thought about running for mayor. You might you might have noticed that. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, thought about it again, and I, I really think I can make a contribution, even more of a contribution in the second term, because I have a lot less to learn about how city hall functions. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you've when you never been on council before, you may have an idea about what city council does, but you don't really understand it until you get in there and you try to accomplish some things. Right. I, you know, I attended council meetings for over a year before I decided to run, uh, so I had an idea about how things work. But once you get on the inside of a group like a council or other things I've been involved in, like the BC Federation of Labor and the Canadian Labor Congress, it, it takes a little while to learn how to actually have an idea and get something done about it. Right. I've learned how to do that, I believe, on council, and uh, I like doing it, and I'd like to do it some more. Okay. What issues are top of mind for you as we go into this election? You know, there's... That's a really popular question, and it's one I really like to stay away from because you start off going into council and you have some things you'd like to accomplish, but the first day you sit down at the table, you find out something's come up since last week, and it's top of mind and important. I think the the key things are to have an overall view of what you want the community to be, how you want to see the community develop, uh, things like reconciliation, I think that has to be in the back of, it will be in the back of my mind whenever I make any decision. Mm-hmm. It's, not the, it's not the only thing on my mind, but it has to be in the back of my mind. Affordable housing and health care and mental health services are all things that are linked together, and I think together they are really important. That includes um, overhaul, over drug overdose protection. 
and prevention and things like that. So, you know, housing, health, uh, reconciliation, those are all big issues. They have to all be dealt with at the same time. Fair enough. What strengths do you possess that you feel are really valuable around the council chamber? I think the strength I have is I have experience, I have financial experience and governance experience, and experience in bringing people together. I, I, one of the things I don't talk about very much is collective bargaining. Mm-hmm. I had a group of people around me, a bargaining team for TELUS people from across the country. There's 10 people from all across Canada that were elected. Some of them had opposed me as candidates for president, <laughs> <laughs> but they were all on this uh, bargaining committee. It took us a year to do collective bargaining, and we spent three weeks in Edmonton together at the beginning and agreed at the beginning of that process that we would do everything we did as a team and by consensus. That means that we wouldn't agree on anything that everybody couldn't find in their hearts to agree to. And people told me it was impossible. We hired consultants that said, you cannot do this by consensus. Uh, did it. It was tough. Sometimes it took us a week to make a decision on things that maybe could have been done in, in a day in another format, but right. we managed to hold things together through a year of bargaining with doing everything by consensus. And at the end, we had a really tight team that agreed on where we were and were happy together. And that was a very satisfying experience. That's that's not experience you can get anywhere else and bring to it. And I think that talks about getting together and working with a team of people on council to actually accomplish things. Absolutely. Uh, Because that kind of goes into my next question about how do you deal with conflict? Because we know when you get this... um, I mean, what we what we hope as electors is a varied group of people around the table because all those experiences mm-hmm. obviously are, are very helpful to represent the community. But sometimes that comes with conflict. So how do you deal with conflict? Well, it does. And you can look at how I've dealt with it on city council over the last four years. Yeah, around the council table, and I think other councillors would agree with this, I've disagreed with everyone at the council table on different issues at different times. The mayor and each one of the councillors, we've always been able to have a disagreement on an issue, debate the issue, decide which way the group is going to go, and everybody accepts that and goes on to the next issue and can talk to each other in a reasonable and civilized way and deal with issues one at a time, separate the conflict from the idea, and still try to work on what each one of us uh, thinks that the residents need, which is going to be different. We're all going to have a different point of view, but I think council has succeeded particularly well in doing that. The regional district's been, you know, a little rockier that way, uh, but I think I've successfully dealt with conflict by trying to compartmentalize it and keep the big picture in view that what we're doing there is trying to represent the people in, of the city of Palm River. Excellent. So our youth aren't able to vote. However, they are an important part of our community. And we have little for them to do outside of sports, the arts, and outdoor activities. And many of them aren't into those things. So do you have any ideas of ways we can address the lack of spaces for youth and young adults and better support them? Well, I think we need to ask them. You know, that's, you know I'm, I'm a little ways away from youth. <laughs> <laughs> and it, but, but I'll tell you, it's not, it's not a new issue. 
Yeah. You know, when I was 16, people were talking about there's not enough for young people to do around where I was, which was Kamloops at the time. We had something called a Boys and Girls Club, and I spent a lot of time there. At that, it was, uh, we played, we played, uh, what was it, ringette, you know, mm. floor hockey. We, had, we played a bunch of different sports down there, and they had uh, activities to go on. But I think, really, if we want to get down to it, we have to get together with the youth and see what the youth really want to do. I know there's, uh, there is a skateboard park, there's uh, mountain biking terrain that's uh, available, and you know, we need we could probably use the Parks and Recreation and Culture Department to get get youth together and find out what they want. Fair enough. That one did come from youth too. Yeah. Um, so, have you read the '94 Calls to Action put out by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada? And how do you think the city is doing with regards to truth and reconciliation? I have read them. Yeah, and I, I agree with them. I agree that they need to be done. Not all of the 94 can be can be put into action by a municipal government. A lot of them are for higher, higher levels of government. But we certainly need to have things done. The, the city has been doing blanket exercises, which are a part of uh, trying to get a cultural understanding. We have the C3, which I think the city of Powell River and the Tlamath Nation and the regional district are ahead of the game in other municipalities and regions where we actually have a forum where we can get together and talk about issues, you know, leads to the name change and things like that discussion. Uh, I think that needs to be updated and expanded because when it was created, it was a city and uh, an Indian band, I guess it was name now. We're we're dealing with a treaty nation now, and I think it needs to be updated. Maybe additional accountability and maybe some financing brought into that. Uh, You have financing, you have to have accountability for where the taxpayer's money is going. Right. Uh, But, you know, I think there's a long way to go. And and, uh, to be clear, I said earlier, I think we need to deal with everything with an eye to reconciliation and we need to have that in our in our minds when we talk about anything from building a sewage treatment plant to naming the streets to naming the city itself right it's an interesting thing you brought up about the accord i hadn't thought about that but yeah i would think having a treaty put in effect since it was initially signed could change some some things on that so yeah well it gives us an opportunity the nation is more able now to make decisions that they couldn't make when the C3 was originally thought of. Right. They didn't have that ability. They didn't have the funding ability. They didn't have uh, the freedom to make decisions on their own that they now have and needs to be respected. So we could expand that. We could strengthen it. Hmm. There's an opportunity also, since the uh, climate nation is a treaty nation, that they could be welcomed and and into the regional district and become part of the regional district board if they chose to do so. Hmm. Interesting. One major concern of electors is taxes. Do you have any ideas on how taxation could be held without cutting services? That's a hard one. Right? It, it really <laughs> is a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah, because I talked to the chief financial officer uh, before she started the budget project process for 2023, which the city started in August. I asked the CFO to particularly address 
the possibility that others had suggested that we simply look at a zero budget increase for all the city departments. That would be giving them the same number of dollars for 2023 as they got in 2022. And the CFO's announcement answer to that was it would mean cutting services, finding a way to cut about $800,000 worth of services because inflation has increased the cost of everything. So it's difficult. It's difficult to find a way to reduce that without, uh, without actually cutting services. We had the mayor and myself and council appointed a community finance advisory committee about two years ago now, I guess, in 2021, to give advice to the city on what they would like to see us do along those lines. The committee started out thinking maybe a 0% budget increase would be good, or maybe they would come up with some recommendations on how to cut services and get rid of the fat, as it were. Yeah. Uh, they spent a year working really hard, interviewing the heads of all of the city departments. At the end, their recommendation was that the city has really good services and that people like them and that we should leave them the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so the challenge, in my view, then, is is making sure that we can find appropriate revenue and that hopefully is not getting more money from the existing taxpayers, but extend, expanding the industrial base and the commercial base so that we can collect more tax money uh, from employers that bring jobs to the community so the community can win both ways and we can keep taxes under control. Right. So the proposed spending for the new emergency services building is another contentious topic right now. Where do you stand on the emergency services building issue? Well, the voters are going to decide what's going to happen. We have basically a referendum coming up on the 15th and we get to start voting on it on Wednesday. And it is simply a borrowing referendum that allows the city to borrow up to $7.5 million to create a new fire hall. If the taxpayers approve that, then we will try to find grant money, which we can now get from the federal government. We can try to find extra funding in the reserves of the city. And then we can go out and try to find a contractor to build a new fire hall. So that's, uh, that's basically the story about that. Right. It's up to the taxpayers whether they want it or not. We've had a professional company, a professional engineering company, look at the city and look at the fire hall and say, we need a new fire hall. We've had a citizen's committee look at the fire hall and say, we need a new fire hall and tell us the best place where they thought to put it. And now we're going to the public and asking them, are you willing to pay for it? So I'm dying to see what people answer. <laughs> I, I'm looking at other places around the province. Yeah. There's one on Vancouver Island where actually a small regional district just approved uh, uh, an alternative approval process for a $16.5 million fire hall with way fewer taxpayers than we have here. It's going to cost them more, but it, it passed handling. So we'll see. Hmm. Affordable housing, do you think council has maybe a a bigger role or a different role or is some bigger part to play in helping with the affordable housing issue? I think council has a huge role to play. 
And my vision for affordable housing is that we can we have a lot of city-owned property that's suitable for affordable housing. The city can provide the property. The city can get matching funding from the province, matching funding from the federal government to create and build housing that would be rental housing that the city would continue to own and operate. And that would take the whole market competition out of the, out of the price war and, and allow it to be built at a reasonable price that people could afford and we could have a continual round of uh, rental housing that would be there that we could be done at affordable housing. Now, I've talked about that at council meetings. The developers who are in the room have pointed out that that's the only way you can build affordable housing because they can't build it without making a profit. Right. As I said before, I've been a director of a real estate company that built housing, and we couldn't build affordable housing because we couldn't do it and make money at the same time, and a private corporation, a developer, has to make a profit. The city doesn't have to make a profit on the housing. We can use our own land that we own. We can use government money, federal and provincial money, and uh, build the housing ourselves. And we take the profit motive out of it and provide housing for people. My next question is whether council has a role to play in helping with the uptick in crime that's been going on. I know a lot of citizens, I would say more in, in certain areas than others, are more concerned about about the uptick in crime, specifically theft and things like that. Uh, do you think there's anything mm-hmm. council can do to help with that situation? Well, there, you know, there's concern about repetitive offenders uh, doing property crime and street crime, which is really small crime, low, small level, street level crime. Right. And that's something that our RCMP staff uh, sergeant talked to us about in January of 2022. Uh, council talked about it, and Maggie Hathaway and myself wrote a resolution to UBCM to try to deal with it about providing cities with more funding for restorative justice, for mental health treatment, for addiction treatment, and housing, so that when people show up having been arrested or having been in trouble with the police, they can go to court and be diverted from there to possibly to restorative justice or to mental health treatment or addiction treatment and find the services there, the people and the funding to train the people to uh, to do those things. And we presented that to the UBCM. It was passed with a handy majority uh, by the residents, at, you know, by the delegates to the UBCM. We presented it to cabinet ministers at that. I, I gave the pitch, and they were interested in talking about dealing with repetitive crime. And uh, we're talking about the idea of using Palm River as a pilot project to try to do some of those things. So there is there are things to do, and there is positive ways to do it. A lot of ways that are better than simply throwing people in jail. Right. Or popping them back out right away with no help. Well, well both are bad. You can't yeah. just pop someone who's offended and uh, damaged other people but, and just say, forget it, go ahead and do it again tomorrow. We've got to do something. But treating people and giving them a way out and trying to find a better life for them is better for everybody. Absolutely. So the last question I wanted to ask you about was the name change 
What are your, your views on the name change situation for the city? So the name change, I think, is really another discussion about reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I think we have to treat the request that we got from the Tlamath Nation with respect. We have to consider it. We have to spend time talking about it as a community. And we really have to examine people's feelings about it. And we're at the stage now when people's feelings about the name change are coming out. And, uh, you know, a little more conversation, perhaps people will start examining those feelings and, and trying to see if there's a way to change them and to reconcile them with other people's opinions. And I think we need to have that consultation for as long as it takes. And uh, an appropriate time will come along when we can have an opinion poll, something verifiable and professionally done that shows whether there's support for the community for a name change or not. Okay. So that's my process that I think we should go through. But I think it's an opportunity to bring all of the people on this peninsula, the Tlamath Nation and the city residents together and to make life better for everyone. Okay. That's all the questions I had. Was there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted wanted to mention? or? You know, I think we've talked about just about everything. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come have a chat with me at night outside in the dark. <laughs> yeah, if I sound like I'm shivering a little bit, it's because it's getting a little bit colder. Yeah. But, uh, we've, been, we've been trying to get together to do this for a little while now, and I'm glad we've managed to, to get it done because it's been great talking to you, Aaron. You too. Thanks so much, George. Thanks. And that concludes this episode of Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed, featuring guest George Doubt. Until next time, this is Aaron Reed. Thank you for listening to Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more interviews, visit coastalcurrents.ca or follow us on Facebook at Coastal Currents with Aaron Reed. Thanks again for listening.